verses 12 to 23. So I'll read 12 to the end of the chapter. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it, and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by the righteousness, declares the Lord God. If I call wild, if I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they ravage it, and it be made desolate so that no one may pass through because of the beast, even if these three men were in it as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon their land and say, that land and say, let a sword pass through the land, and I cut off from it man and beast. Though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, How much more, when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgments or famine, wild beasts, and pestilence, to cut off from it man and beast. But behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters, who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I brought upon Jerusalem for all that I brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. secret chat room <laughs> with like-minded ministers and um, no joke I am but uh, someone sent me the latest Barna research I wish they'd send it uh, before my sermon last Sunday night or tonight I think it's just hot off the press it's um, Barna research is like the gold standard for Christian surveys, they do really impeccable work. If you want to read the, the uh, if you're one of those uh, people who are into statistics and, and all that, uh, read all the, the fine print on how they made the study, it's at arizonachristian.edu. And I think it's in, that's a Christian university. But listen to this. And and I, I'm actually on the Barner Research thing. I, you know, they probably kicked me off because I, it, 
they're so tedious that the, the surveys are, are so tedious to turn in, so I, I haven't turned one in in a while. But let's listen to this. Um, sample size is quite large. One third or more of senior pastors believe sexual relations between two unmarried people who believe they love each other is morally acceptable. Determining moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. The Holy Spirit is not a living entity, but a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. It is worse. Having faith matters more than which faith you have. Reincarnation is a real possibility. Yeah, my jaw drops too. <laughs> it is possible to reach complete spiritual maturity during our time on earth. Well, I used to be a Methodist. I didn't know. <laughs> I, honestly, that's why I'm not. One of, one of the reasons I'm not, because they had this vow. Are you going on to perfection? In love, and I knew myself too. <laughs> a person who is generally good or does enough good things for others can earn a place in heaven. They are willing to. They are. They are willing to try just about anything once. Socialism is preferable to capitalism. Allowing property ownership facilitates economic injustice. The Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion, enabling you to make a strong argument either for or against abortion based on biblical principles. One third or more of senior pastors do not believe. That's what they believe. This is what they do not believe. One third or more, nearly one half, that human life is sacred. One third or more of senior pastors do not believe that human life is sacred. That wealth is entrusted to be in the, to individuals to be managed for God's purposes. They do not believe that success is consistent obedience to God. They do not believe that people are born into sin and can only be saved from its consequence by Jesus Christ. They personally will experience eternal salvation only because they have personally confessed their sins. They do not believe that they personally will experience eternal salvation only because they have personally confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then, then there's a, you know, a, it's just a long, it's a long article that, that goes into how we, how we got there. Well, the, the way we got there is we have the church as a whole, include, and there's a huge sample in this study of evangelicals. That's what's really shocking about it. How did we get here? We drifted away from the truth, just like 
Israel drifted away and rebelled. And so there, there indeed are these timeless uh, applications uh, from the book of Ezekiel for the church in every generation. And, it, and what Ezekiel shows us is what happens. <clears throat> this uh, text um, begins very interestingly in verse 13, or uh, well, verse 12, the word of the Lord comes to, to Ezekiel again. And interestingly, in verse 13, it's not directed just to Israel. Here we have one of those kingdom principles that's true not only for the land of Israel in this time and place that Ezekiel wrote, but one of these general principles that is true for every nation on earth. And as we go through Ezekiel, we'll see that, uh, that God's just justice and judgment falls on all lands, in all places, in all times. And it says here, uh, with, a, with um, an indefinite article, it, when it's referring only to Israel, it's the definite article, the land. And here it's a land. When a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from man and beast, even if there are these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, in it, they would not deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. Again, it is true of all nations. We see this not just you know, in terms of applying it uh, from this time, we see it uh, throughout even the Old Testament, don't we? Most famously, the book of Jonah. You know, that whole book is about the land of Nineveh, which is certainly not Israel. And Jonah is a Jewish prophet uh, who very reluctantly goes to that pagan nation to proclaim uh, the good news uh, that uh, if they don't repent, they will be destroyed. And he reluctantly goes, and, and, and in spite of his very bad attitude, the people of Nineveh uh, uh, repent, and they're spared for a time. As we see later in Scripture, they eventually experience uh, judgment. It's true not only of Nineveh, uh, we'll go through uh, later on in Ezekiel, we'll see this, all of the surrounding nations of Israel are judged in turn. We see it not only in ancient biblical history, we see it in our modern history. Now, uh, I grew up uh, uh, studying and thinking about the uh, the uh, Nazi uh, Holocaust in, in Germany and the, and the uh, incredible sacrifice this country made to defeat um, uh, Germany and Japan, the Axis powers. And we see those uh, nations that were raised up. We see how God dealt with them and how they were judged. Uh, I lived long enough and prayed long enough to see the Lord uh, bring down the uh, wall of the evil empire, the Soviet Union, um, and see missionaries flood into there. It's so heartbreaking to watch uh, 
those uh, members of that former Soviet Union at each other's throat. Not surprising, but uh, sad uh, for all the effort and the work to bring the gospel into those places. And uh, we know that God is working his plan out. And again, whether it's, it's the Babylonians, they're going to be they're going to be overthrown where the children of Israel have been taken in exile um, before them Assyria was overthrown um, uh, and in turn all the surrounding nations Egypt and and uh, later on the Greeks will, will be overthrown this is nothing nothing new in and if you go back to really ancient times we think of Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe this was in Ezekiel's mind, or the Holy Spirit's mind as well. It's not directly here. But Sodom and Gomorrah were absolutely uh, wiped off of the face of the earth. Not because of their lack of hospitality. As some. I kid you not. Even in the evangelical world, even I've heard some from our own persuasion trying to make that case. Obviously, for their sexual rebellion. We learn in that instance of Sodom and Gomorrah from the story of Abraham and how, how, how he entreated the Lord to spare those cities for the sake of the righteous. And you remember he gave a continuing uh, uh, request to the Lord if, if there are 50, if there are 20, if there are 10. And those were not found and God's judgment uh, fell. These are the judgments of God. And there is a fourfold uh, judgment here that falls. And they are, in turn, famine, wild bees, sword, and pestilence. So we'll go through them. And again, they're all based in God's promise. This is what he does. First to the Jew. This is, I, when you read the book of Romans, there's this constant refrain, and I'm sure we'll hear from David's talk next week. I'm so excited to hear him. But I, going through Ezekiel, it's just to me, it's a reminder of how much the Apostle Paul depended upon the book of Ezekiel and the phraseology in it uh, as the Holy Spirit moved him to write uh, the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans. Um, because there's this theme that runs throughout. There's going to be tribulation and suffering to all who do evil, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. And that's the bad news. The good news is there's going to be the joy of the gospel and salvation uh, as it is revealed to the Jew first and then also to the Greek, which is everybody else in the world who believes. Leviticus 26. Here's that promise. There's blessings of obedience, and then there's judgment for disobedience. Let me go back. 
again, Noah is not referenced um, uh, as, as being um, a member of the nation of Israel. The, the nation hasn't been founded yet. It's, it's pre-Israel pre as a nation. Noah's just coming off the boat. Remember, Noah was a preacher of righteousness that God uh, used to preach the truth about judgment. And then he and his family were spared uh, in order to continue the human race. So Noah, if Noah was there, or, or, or Daniel, this Daniel already has this reputation of being this righteous man in the midst of, uh, of the land of judgment with his, with his companions who were faithful in the midst of judgment. And then Job, I, I'm still scratching my head where Job is located and where he comes from in terms of all the things I've read about him, but we know this his this great account of his life in the book by his name shows what a righteous person he was in the midst of suffering. None of them in their life would have spared the judgment that is coming in terms of famine. I'm going to spiritualize a couple of these, but I, I think I'm, I think I'm on good ground to do so. I, I believe there's a famine of the Word of God as well. There's, a, there's the the attributing factor in that survey that I read is is quite simply a lack. To, to match um, Sunday school classes credit, a lack of a commitment to personal Bible reading and, and family devotions. If you dig into that study and you get to the why, is because the habits of holiness that, that we should take as a matter of course have been set aside. We, we, we are Bible uh, poor, as, they, as, as we used to say in the South. We have Bibles everywhere. We have translations everywhere. We have devoted scholars who have given their life. We have these incredible study Bibles and all these resources. We have all kinds of, of uh, supplemental material. But there is no substitute for opening your Bible and reading it personally. For opening your Bible, if you're in a household, together, of, of, of reading it and discussing it and turning it over. And, and obvi it's obvious as you look at this massive uh, study by the Barna Group that that is a rare activity among professing Christians today. And again, it is a, a part of the judgment of God. The second plague that is mentioned in verse 15 of this fourfold judgment, again, the preface of all of them is, is judgment. If I were the 
translator, I think I would have put a, a colon and, and uh, after judgment in verse 21, and then uh, and then given the fourfold uh, judgment. But the second one that comes in order of the text is wild beasts. I will let loose wild beasts against you, which will bereave you of your children. Now, literally, wild beasts have, in the Bible, again, are part of the judgment of God. Most, most perhaps famously in the minds of Israel is when they wandered in the wilderness and the serpents, the fiery serpents in Numbers chapter 21 began to bite them and destroy them. And then Moses uh, was instructed by God to raise up a bronze serpent, which we know is fulfilled in the New Testament as a picture of Jesus who's lifted up on the cross and he delivers us. So again, I'm not, I'm not too afraid of spiritualizing this a bit. But they're, 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 these are part of God's judgment. Daniel uh, was cast into the lion's den. And he, they, they, they fully expected him to be devoured by the lions. Again, as a part of, of uh, the judgment of God. Man is, uh, is supposed to exercise dominion over creatures and subdue and uh, contain the animals. And now we live in a world where animals lifted up to the same level as humans. It's frightening. It is actually a thing that people are identifying as animals. <coughs> oh, it's, it's so beyond comprehension that this is occurring. In some schools, I've heard that, the, that they're allowing students to put litter boxes in the bathroom if they identify as a cat. <coughs> or, I, uh, I heard that, and I, then I read about it. It's a thing. To make this re reference to people, I don't think it's a stretch at all. The Apostle Paul... says in 1 Corinthians 15, almost as an aside, as he's preaching about the resurrection, how he tells about how he fought with wild beasts in Ephesus. Now, were these literal wild beasts or were they people? There's a big, there's, there's a big uh, scholarly discussion about that. I, I, uh, I, I tend to think they were the savage wolves that Paul in Acts chapter 20 warned about. Part of the judgment of God are savage wolves who come in because the elders and the leadership in the church does not guard the, the truth of the gospel and the integrity of the Bible. I warn you, I, 
solemnly warn you as he is departing Ephesus, the longest place of public ministry in Paul's public ministry in Ephesus, he, 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 he gathers the elders together and he warns them that after I leave, savage wolves are going to come in and destroy the flock or attempt to destroy the flock. I tend to think those are the wild beasts he's referring to in 1 Corinthians 15. But I'm not sure. And again, if it, Noah is present, if Daniel was present then, uh, Job was present then, it takes takes us back to the moment in, in, in Babylon uh, when, when the prophet Ezekiel is saying, Jerusalem will not be spared these judgments that God has pronounced. And I believe they are literally beasts. We, we see this in, uh, in, in our neighborhood. <laughs> uh, back, uh, not, a, a while back, years ago, we had lost two cats to coyotes in the middle of Fayetteville. <laughs> uh, recently we've had, uh, we've had our cats terrorized by wild, wild animals. They're kind of wild themselves. They, they terrorize other animals themselves, but the bigger animal comes along. And I'm sure that many of you can tell a story along those lines. Uh, animals are nothing to be taken lightly, we're to be, be uh, careful and we are to be on guard. But there is a spiritual element uh, as well. So that's the second one of the judgment of God that's coming. The, the third one is one the one that was mentioned in Leviticus 26 verse 25 and again Ezekiel already spoke it back in the in fifth chapter and that is the sword this is the one that's coming. This is the Babylonian army that's coming to lay siege against Jerusalem and to destroy it. The power of the sword is is given to the nations. It is uh, it is supposed to be, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, a minister of God for good. And, and again, our lives depend on those who who may not wear a sword, but they have a gun or, or they're trained in weapons uh, in order to protect and serve us. Uh, and their, uh, their work is absolutely vital to civilization. But it's also, uh, this, this use of the sword is about war. It is the God-given um, judgment given to nations to bear the sword. And sometimes those nations are wicked and evil. Like the Babylonians who are used to judge another wicked and evil nation. And the history of the world is written in such a way that we, we see God raising up one wicked nation after another to judge another and to set it aside. And if you've ever done it, historical survey or study of empires that's the that's the study God will raise up the sword against the land that rejects him in the age of nuclear weapons this is especially concerning 
but there's good news on that front. I, I have it on good authority that this is the best place in the world to be in the event of a nuclear war. There are actually papers written on this. So. You're within 20 miles of being in the perfect spot. Not to make light of it. It is a real, a real, a real threat. And when sin reaches to a certain level in a land, it is one of the means that God uses to judge a nation. And again, there's this refrain about Noah. These three men, this time it says this, these three men, Daniel and Noah, Job, if these three men are there, they, there will not be deliverance. And then lastly, there is the judgment of pestilence. I'm very tempted to preach a COVID sermon, but, but, but we... It, this application should be ready in front of us all. What happens when a deadly plague uh, comes on the people? I'm not sure that's what we had, but it was for a while in, in the beginning of the disease. It was a fearsome thing. The Bible is full of examples of this. This is the, um, the pestilence that came upon Egypt when, they, when the Pharaoh's heart was hardened one after another. Different kinds of plagues fell. A pestilence in warfare. Uh, it's a fact that in, in warfare, it is uh, it is plague and pestilence and disease that kills far more historically in warfare than the actual combat. It is, it is a fearsome thing uh, to to comprehend. Now, I'll just show how conspiratorial I am. I, I'll just tell you my opinion. And you do, this is not the word of God. This is Paul Sagan's opinion. Uh, that I believe what we experience, and I've, taught, I've read medical authorities and others, that what we experienced the last two years a form of a bioweapon, this COVID-19 thing. Because the doctors have told me it doesn't act like an ordinary virus. And if you go, don't take my word for it, just go to the CDC website and look up bioweapons level three. And there it is. I, I've had to, I had taken that course several times in the army and so it's just, uh, to me it's plain that this is what we've been, we've gone through, even though there have been plagues throughout history, regardless of the source. So I put it almost in the form of a sword, but regardless of that, it's a virus. It's something that you couldn't avoid. It's something that came on people uh, regardless of their status. And again, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's Noah or Daniel or Job, if they're in it. They would just deliver their own lives because of their righteousness. And we get down to the application. The application is repent. Turn to the Lord. Your only deliverance is in Him. 
The application is Romans 8, 28. Through 36. Let me read that. This is the application. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Ezekiel saying, Noah, Daniel, Job, they're going to be saved because of their righteousness. And that's what Paul is saying. And now we know that that righteousness is nothing we, we perform, but it's at work in us. And if we're in Christ in the midst of the sore, the famine, pestilence, we can be absolutely confident. Who shall bring any charge against God's electum in verse 33 of Romans 8? It is God who justifies. We are justified by the grace of God alone. Who then is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. What shall separate? From the love of Christ. Shall tribulation. Or distress. Or persecution. Or famine. Or nakedness. Or danger. Or sore. As it is written for your sake. We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our great hope. In the midst of the onslaught of the world. This is, this is what Ezekiel is saying. And Noah and Daniel and Job are examples of righteousness. They can't save you. Only the Lord, their Lord, can save you if he is your Lord. Some survivors are going to be left. God's going to keep a remnant. You're not all going to be killed. Verse 22. Some survivors will be left in it. Sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you, you see their ways and their deeds. And you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought on Jerusalem. 
for all that I have brought upon them. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds. You will know that I have not done it without cause. All that I have done in it. God doesn't do anything without cause. His cause is always the same. And that is to glorify and honor and exalt himself. Um, I, I think, again, that the, I know, I know because of who he was, he was, he was baked in all the scriptures, the apostle Paul was, but I, I, reading, reading Ezekiel has, has brought this to my attention. About the um, um, about the Jewish people and all the promises that go back to the land and go back to their salvation, and I want to read in preparation as we spiritually prepare for next week. And I, I do think it's a fitting application of this passage because He promises, "I'm going to restore. I'm going to keep a remnant. I'm going to restore them." And I think this is the Apostle Paul hearkening back to it. Uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in chapter 11 of Romans as well. Why is this, why is this hardening of Israel occurred? Why has this judgment of, of come upon them? And here's the answer from the Word of God, 11 verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Ezekiel's full of hard things. Those hard things demonstrate to us how great and awesome God is. And they demonstrate to his righteous ones, like like Daniel, like Job, like Noah, that in the midst of judgment, God will keep his people for himself. That is our joy and confidence. If I would ask you in closing, is it yours tonight? If not, I urge you to make it so by receiving the glorious promise of his gracious forgiveness and love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is this is not 
about uh, bad things that happen to good people. This is this is about bad things that happen to bad people because they're bad. Father, we are hopeless apart from your grace and mercy. And we pray for deliverance in the, in the midst of an evil world. And just as you delivered your servants, Daniel and Job and Noah and from evil, horrible circumstances, and just as you kept the remnant of Israel to preserve the line of the Messiah for us, you keep us in the same power of God keeps us. If anyone here has yet to know that power and, and your incredible electing love, may you be gracious to them now that they would repent and believe this glorious good news. We ask in Jesus' name.